I'm excited to be back. Missed you last Sunday. I know it was epic. I know that because I listened to the podcast. Uh, it is dpnrv.org. And last week's word, Mitch, if you weren't here, Mitch shared a word. He and I are kind of working on a mini-series right now. He'll be coming back to speak for a couple of weeks in October. And we're kind of working on a bit of a mini-series on identity. And so I want to take us back to that place today uh, where we're having a conversation about identity. Last week, Mitch spoke to you about comparison and how not good that is uh, in relationship to our identity, how harmful it can be to what God says about who we are when we start to decide who we are in relationship to who someone else is, and that's not what we're meant to do. And it was, it was just a really good word. And I would encourage you that if you haven't heard that, you should really honestly. This is not me just making a, a not-so-subtle uh, promo for the website, which I would like for you to consistently go there and read the blogs and and see what's up. I hope that today you'll check out the top five things you do need to know in Dwelling Place on your bulletin. If you didn't get one, make sure you do. If you're new or mostly new to Dwelling Place this week, and you would like for someone to connect with you this week, then I would encourage you to tear off this uh, bookmark on the bottom of the bulletin, fill out the back of it, and let us know. Uh, drop that in the offering box or hand it to one of the guys you see standing around that looks like they know where stuff goes. <laughs> We don't have anybody wearing an orange armband or anything, but um, but anyway, we will uh, we'll do our best this week to connect you. If you're interested in life groups, I want to strongly encourage you. If you're not connected in this body, and um, now if you're a student, and you're involved in a student ministry, and you're involved in a life group on campus, I'm actually going to say to you that I don't think it would be particularly wise for you to try to be in two life groups. But we still want to find ways to connect with you, and we would point you toward 20-something, which is a 20-some, which is a really cool point of connection for students and non-students in their 20s. But otherwise, if you're in this body and you're not connected, I would just encourage you to, uh, to consider becoming a part of a life group. I think that's a great point and place for connection. Um, it's not for everybody, but it is certainly for most bodies. <laughs> and everybody needs to be connected somewhere. Um, but back to our mini-series on identity. Now, I had just a pretty cool and interesting week. I, I left out last hmm, Friday, I think, a week ago Friday, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's right. I flew out pretty late in the day on a week ago Friday, and I went to Houston, Texas. Last Sunday morning, I was speaking in a church in Houston, Texas called Life Point Fellowship. And um, they do video podcasts. If I had known that, I would have wore cooler clothes. Uh, just kidding. Um but just had an amazing time there. Went to talk missions and uh, just had a phenomenal, phenomenal time. They they were able to just so significantly into uh, what we're doing in Southern Africa, and that was really huge. Karen and I are going on a trip next month there to be doing several different things. And, and then I actually got to spend a couple of days. Um, this is a part of the message this morning, by the way, kind of a testimony on the front side. But... Uh, I got to spend a couple of days with Karen's brother James, and, and I know sometimes uh, that maybe it's hard to continue to keep up with all the prayer requests that are consistently on the uh, overhead as we roll those before service, and maybe you get the weekly newsletter or um, email, and there's a lot of prayer requests on there. I understand that, and, but I do believe that some of us, some of you are called to connect uh, as intercessors. All of us are called to pray, but some of you even more deeply as intercessors probably do look at that list. And uh, you would notice that Karen's brother James is still on that list. He's one of the people that have been on our, our prayer list for a long time. James, two years ago, last June, was in a severe car crash. And uh, his neck was broken. And his spinal cord was injured to the degree that he has since then uh, had no use of anything other than his right shoulder. He can bend at the elbow a little bit. Uh, but he's a quadriplegic. And he's been home now, though, for three weeks. Uh, and that's the longest he's been home in the two years. He's got three kids, <clears throat> the oldest of which is, is eight. And um, I got to meet and spend some time with Jenna Rose, his daughter, who's about to be three for the first time. I mean, I've been around her when she was a tiny baby. But basically, I got to go to James and Jennifer's and do a honeydew list. So his wife had a, a list of things that hadn't been repaired in a really long time. So I spent two days fixing carpet that had been torn up or, or a sconce that had been ripped off the wall because <laughs> she does have two boys and a curtain rod that had been pulled down and I fixed three bicycles and hung some shelves and just did stuff like that. I have to tell you, it was one of the most amazing things I've gotten to do in a very long time. It was really special. Really enjoyed it. I had a 
a lot of amazing God time those two days. It was 107 degrees in sub-Saharan Texas, though. I'm just telling you. Now, I didn't even know they had a sub-Saharan Texas. I've been to sub-Saharan Africa, but man, <laughs> it was crazy. I think they have better cell phone service in Zambia, too, man. I was driving across parts of Texas, and I was like, what is this? This is America. Where did my cell phone service go? But <clears throat> then I actually traveled up to Arkansas, got to spend a day with my mom, who's about to have a shoulder replaced, and kind of love on her for a little bit. And then I spoke at a church on a Wednesday night in Arkansas, which was also just kind of an epic thing. It was really kind of cool because I was supposed to do a 10-minute window at this church in Texas. The pastor did not know me. I was connected to him by someone who supports us significantly in these trips and in the mission, and he really wanted us to come. I had a cup of coffee with that pastor on Saturday night to chat about that 10-minute window. Ten minutes into that conversation about the 10-minute window, he said, you're supposed to preach tomorrow. <clears throat> so told me what series he'd been working on. I went back to the place I was staying and watched a podcast of a couple of weeks of him preaching. <laughs> and then I jumped into his series last week on advancing the kingdom and God showed up huge. My point in all that is this. We're talking about destiny and we're talking about identity. And life is meant to be this dynamic experience of following God. It's just... Uh, it's meant to be. Hear what I'm saying? You don't have to travel all over the place for this to be true. The week before that here in the New River Valley for me was quite interesting. I could take all of our time today just to share testimonies about that week. But the divine appointments, opportunities, and points of connection that we walk in when we follow. Just when we follow. Wherever it is you are doing, whatever it is you do, when we follow. I want to take us back today to what Jesus said in Matthew, or Mark chapter 1, verse 17, and in fact this shows up in three of the four Gospels, this story of the call of the original or the first call of disciples, which was, of course, when he called uh, Andrew and he called Peter, and, and he comes along to this group, James and John, and he comes and says this to them. He says, you, or I'm sorry, he says, follow me. I'm always adding the you because it is the understood subject in the sentence. You hear me say that a lot. Uh, this is necessary redundancy. But he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. The story says, the scripture tells us that they left their nets, they left what they had known, and they followed him. Now, this isn't a word about abandoning your vocation. That's not what this word is about. But this is rather a word about abandoning yourself and your life to follow Jesus. We talk about our destiny a lot around here. We certainly know that we are des are if we were to give one specific description of our identity, I hope that what we would say is that we are children of God. I hope that that's the first thing that we would say. I hope that we would go to John chapter 1 and verse 19 and we would say that we are children of God. We're, we say it this way around here. We, we get even more specific. We are sons and daughters. Some churches, everybody call everybody brother and sister. I'm glad we leave that off. But that's who we are. I don't really want to be called Brother Ron, okay? But I do frequently call many of you, hey, little sister. Or little brother. I don't call too many of you big brother. But occasionally I might have called Terry that. There aren't too many big brothers in this house for me. Older brothers as it were. But we are brothers and sisters. We are sons and daughters. We are children. Right? Can we agree on that today? That that's our identity? We talk about that a lot. We also could say from what the Apostle Paul said. That we are, we are no longer strangers or aliens. We have been reconciled into the king, to the king and into the kingdom of God. He said it this way, we are fellow citizens with the saints. That's, that's an identifier. We're fellow citizens. We are members, he said, of the household of God. That takes us back to being children. We are members of the household of God. Do you know who you are this morning? That's who we are. But that's not all. When, when we think of who we are, I think it's necessary for us to know that we were, this is a big time truth, we were meant and made to be God followers. As children of God, as fellow citizens, as members of the household, we were meant and made to be followers of God. 
He did not again uh, just say, hey, I'm glad that you're here. It's great that you've become a believer. This is awesome. You're my, you're my son. You're my daughter. Now, good luck with that. I hope it goes well. Go live your life. I'll see you in heaven. If you need anything, let me know. It's not what he said. But that's a lot of times what we do. I mean, we check back in occasionally. You know, I think I better go check in. See how Jesus is doing. But we were meant and made to follow. All the time. All the time. 24-7. I'm not there, okay? Is it necessary to say that? Do I have to give the disclaimer? Will you think that I think that I've got this down? I hope not. Not that I've already achieved or attained, okay? I hope that that would be an obvious no-brainer. But it is meant to be, and, and honestly, at least for the most part, is for me a consistent daily pursuit. I'm like, hey, okay. I mean, and I have to shake myself out of, you know, I tell you, I've told you before, sometimes I go to bed like letting God lead, and I wake up the next morning in control. Okay, what will I, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, God, get my hands off that wheel. What I meant to say was, what are we doing today, Jesus? I mean, I know I have some appointments and some things that you want to be me. I have a job to go to. I'm supposed to be here at this time. I get that, God. I don't think that that's something the Lord is asking us to negotiate unless he says do a different job or whatever. But, but Lord, what are we doing in the thing that we're doing today? I want to follow you in that. Okay. All right. I, I feel you right now. I feel what's coming back to me. I feel that, we okay, yeah, we get that. But I'm telling you that when the people of God begin to follow consistently in the purpose and plan of God, this world will not look the same. Our lives will not look the same. I asked uh, someone yesterday, I said, what, when someone says follow God, what does that mean to you? You know, I had some pretty epic airplane conversations yesterday, of course. <clears throat> what does that mean? Follow God. And I think if I were to ask you, if I were to poll you, for a lot of us, and I don't think that this would be a, a bad answer, but a common answer would be, well, to follow God, if I, or if I were, maybe I would cheat just a little bit in the way that I asked the question, and I would say, if someone says they're a follower of Christ, what does that mean? And I think that a common retort to that would be to say that we believe in Jesus. We believe in God, which I think is a good answer. But I would point out to you that in the Gospels, Jesus spent time talking about being a believer really four times. He got pretty specific four times about being a believer. There were at least 20 times uh, that he talked about what it meant to be a follower. Now, I'm not, that's not to diminish the importance of believing on any level, okay? The Bible has much to say about being believers. And in fact, we could do a whole teaching this morning on our identity as believers. We are believers. We are people who believe. I stood in front of a crowd yesterday in Louisiana where I spoke at a Louisiana Tech Chi Alpha reunion. These were people that we had worked with in ministry from 1992 forward. And I reminded them about what we believe. I was talking to kids that I knew when they were 18 that are now 35. There, are, there were people there that were freshmen in college who were kids of the people that I was like, Ah, when did that happen? Hi, I'm Ben. My mom and dad were in your coffee group. Hey, thanks for coming by. True story. They must have been old students. But I reminded them of what we believe. We had a moment to reconnect. That's so critically important. In fact, I would say this to you, uh, that... That believing and following are like the heart and the lungs. And either would die without the other. But for many of us, when we think follow, we just think believe. And Jesus said, even the demons believe. And shudder. But to follow him, to say, no, no. I'm going to invest my life in being with you, doing what you do. I want to abandon myself to you. It's our destiny.
You can follow me. Now, there's also a, a quick delineation I would make. I won't spend much time with this, but there's a quick delineation I would make between a fan and a follower. Because for some of us, we're kind of like, you know, well, we think about, I only say this because when we think of follower, if I said, well, do you follow? You know, for a, a lot of us right now, we're, we may be sports fans. I mean, Virginia Tech played again yesterday. Uh, so, we, you know, if you're, a, if you're a fan, you were probably a little, I mean, yesterday, 26 to 7 against, you're kind of like, and fans are interesting, you know, versus a, someone who's a follower of a team. Like, fans are those guys that jump on the bandwagon, and they like them when they're doing good, but they don't when they're not. And it was interesting for me being in Houston last weekend, and this will, I apologize for those of you that this will mean nothing to at all, but I think the point will still connect. But Houston has an NFL team, National Football League, professional football team, and they have for a long time lived in the shadow in their division of the Indianapolis Colts, who now their quarterbacks hurt, yada, 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 the Colts, that is to say, and it looks like maybe the Texans can finally dominate. And in fact, last week, that what was it, in the end of the first half, I'm having lunch with this pastor and this church team, thinking maybe this is going to mess up my whole weekend with them, uh, you know, if the game don't go well. But then you see the score is 34 to nothing, and they were very happy. 34 to nothing, the Texans are beating the Colts. But it was interesting for me the next two days because I listened to quite a bit of sports talk radio as I would be coming and going from James and Jennifer's house. And the the fans were brutal. How could they not have scored another touchdown in the second half? I'm very worried about them. You just dominated your arch nemesis. But they were just the coaches. We're just ready to fire this guy. That guy only caught eight passes. I was like, man, where did these guys come from? And a fan is someone, fans are, we tend to think of a fan as being sort of fair weather. And I only bring this up because there's some delineations that we can make. Fans are very prideful, but the pride that they have is my team. My team is better, and the minute that their team's not better, they get a new team. They just switch jerseys. Get a new hat. They should fire that coach, you know? They don't have anything vested. They're, they tend to be selfish and consistently discontented even when there's domination and they're very judgmental. But a follower. Just from the sports... Allow me for a moment to continue to work the sports metaphor here. But a follower is someone who's... They have a, a deep... Their kids are playing on the team. My mom... My, my high school basketball team... We, I've told you before. We didn't win a game. Okay, not a game my sophomore or junior year. Not a game. You understand what I mean by that? We were 0-25 or something. And my mom, she never put on our nemesis's jersey. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she just kept coming. We won a few games my senior year. The crowd didn't grow, though. We didn't win that many games. Okay. A follower, someone who has something vested in that. It's, it's, they, they have a compassion for the, for the people. They're excited for the team. They have a compassion for the people on the team. I mean, they, they, you know, it was interesting coming home from a, a football game with uh, Mitch's mom. You know, and that was, a, I mean, it was a good game. But just hearing them chat about Uncle Frank, you know, and just talking about the whole way the game went and their concern for that, and it was just, it was interesting. It was, it was like we were not talking about Virginia Tech. We were talking about family. It was just a whole different kind of perspective. And I just am, again, only trying to make this point that sometimes in the church we encounter a lot of folks that are fans. And even, I know this isn't quite the same, but we'll bounce from church to church and always looking for something that will make me happy. And that's not the same as saying, God, where do you want me to be? And I'll be there. It's just not the same. Now we need to sort out a place where we are, we are impacted and impactful. We need to find family we can walk with, and I hope that this is that place for you. But God is looking for folks who will follow. Sometimes we like God when everything's going good for us. But the minute we hit a hard time, man. For a follower. Let me actually make a few points here real quick. For a follower, closeness is critical. Let me give you some keys. Some stuff you can write down. It's good to write stuff down. For a follower, closeness is critical. If you're going to be a follower of God, you recognize this. I, sh- I shared this a couple of weeks ago when I had an opportunity to speak in Kyle, only I said it differently. 
But I said this, that, and I say this frequently here, but it is so necessary that we hang tight with Jesus. That is to say that we abide, that we be with. Uh, It is categorically impossible to walk the God walk without walking with God. Can I say that again? It is impossible to walk the God walk without walking with God. Oh, I, I don't mean that you can't look good on the outside. But I mean as far as hitting in step with what God has for us and who we're made to be. That only happens when we walk with God. When we follow Him. Again, that was the instruction. Closeness is critical. The concept of following necessitates closeness. We can't follow if we don't hang tight, if we don't be with. It's, again, not so much that, ooh, I better go check in with Jesus, see what He's doing today. You know, that was, that was a lot of the crowd that followed Him in the New Testament, in the Gospels we see in John chapter 6. I mean, the crowd only grew after the free fish and bread buffet. See what I'm saying? I mean, the crowd only got bigger at that point. Ooh, we better go see if they got some more of that free fish and bread. That was epic. Let's go see. Right? Jesus, man, he was always doing exactly what I would not want you to do. (laughs) What I don't want me to do. He was saying creepy things like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, or unless you hate your mother and father. (laughs) This is so not a way to keep your crowd. Lest you ever get me confused with Jesus, I really want you to stay. But he was looking for followers. Folks who wanted to follow. Not who wanted to just kind of, you know, it, it was, he wanted for it to be real. He said this. This was one of his big drawing cards. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Oh. Didn't know the wind blew that way, Jesus. Oh, be packing up now. You got to go. But he was communicating to them that that was what it meant to follow him, to walk with him. You can't just check in. You just can't come by when it's good. But rather this, that John fifteen seven again, I mean, it's, well, it's a life verse for me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's a big little if. Again, if. And he would come after me. He put it out there for us to decide. If you abide. If you would come after. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and. Help me. Follow. You might say. But I feel. I feel so far from him sometimes. Again. I appreciate that. Honesty in that song. And it was that's that's kind of a tough lyric. Sometimes you feel as far as the moon. I said to someone uh about a week and a half ago, we were talking about a tough kind of situation. Really glad you're here, Chris. And I was talking about kind of a tough situation and said and I said, and I feel like and this person said back to me, and that is the key word, isn't it? You feel like. So yes, it is. <laughs> It is kind of an important clarification, I feel. Sometimes it feels like he's so far from us or that we it's been so long since we were with him, so long since closeness was a part of our uh, reality. You know what I'm saying? Do you ever feel that way? Like somehow it just feels like you still even, maybe you've been in your word, you've been doing whatever you do, maybe you journal, walk and talk, or whatever. I, I encourage you a lot around here to keep it fresh, keep it busy, but do something to be with Jesus. To connect with them. But for me, this is more than that. This closeness that I'm speaking of that is critical is when we are just being who and where we are. It's just being attentive. It, it doesn't always mean quiet time to me. It means that I'm, I'm rolling back from the airport when I got into Louisiana with a very close friend of mine and we begin to chat and, and I just, the Lord just begins to show up in that conversation and you say things you wouldn't otherwise say or, or move and minister in a way you might not otherwise minister because you, you're being intentional. That's the best that I can do for him and say, Lord, I'm going to try right now to be intentional. I want to follow you, okay? Let me, let me see, let me hear, let me know. Let me, let me be, right? But I will say to you that that's a choice. That sensitivity to his presence. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? Am I communicating this? That sensitivity, I don't know a better way to, better way to say it. Just to, 
a sensitivity to his presence. That Paul could be at uh, Mill Mountain when you're just sitting there working on a book and there's just this sensitivity to his presence. And so in the way that you write, or when you're in school, or whatever you're doing, when you're, when you're with those beautiful babies of yours, and you're, and you're in that moment that you can, you can be a mom by following your father. And it's, it doesn't take a lot of extra effort. But a follower recognizes that closeness is critical. I just can't get there anymore, Ron. I just can't get close anymore. I've tried. See, here's my dilemma. I believe this book. I hear what you're saying, but I believe this book. And this book says to me in Amos 5, 6, Seek the Lord and live. Or in Jeremiah 29, 13, many of you weren't here when this word was spoken, but in June, I shared a word. Remember that Sunday I was really sick and I spoke that word? Um, if you seek me, you will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me, you will find me. The only, the only clarification, qualification in that verse is, if you seek me with your whole heart, if you seek me, you will find me. He is the rewarder of those, the writer of the Hebrew wrote in 11.6, he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I didn't say it was easy. Someone's thinking, well, there must be something wrong with me then because this has not been easy. I, I, here's what I think. I think it's simple. I think that the, if I could say it this way, that the process is simple. If you seek me, you will find me. But the choice sometimes is hard. Sometimes the choice is hard because there are so many things that vie for our attention and our allegiance. So that takes an act, as uh, Michelle was singing earlier, that's a, that takes an act of consecration. It is a decision to say, Lord, I want to separate myself to you. Peter wrote it this way, consecrate Jesus as Lord in your heart. It is a sensitivity to his presence and a willingness to surrender to his voice. I didn't just say listen, I said surrender to his voice. If you seek me, you will find me. And, and he loves Seekers, back in June again, if you seek me, you will find me. I shared, I think that I, I just, I would love to be, and this again will be one of those scenes, as I say sometimes, that I would like to watch on DVR. I want to watch this when I, when I get to heaven. I want to watch that scene with Zacchaeus. Because that just, what was that like? I mean, Jesus is walking in there, that crowd of fans and followers, people everywhere, and one guy has climbed a tree. And I just see Jesus going. And they're like, come on, Lord, we got to go. And we're going somewhere. He said, no, did you see this guy? Look at this guy over here. Did you see this guy? This guy climbed a tree. Look at this guy right here. He's kind of short, but he got up a tree. He did what was necessary. Yeah, we see him. That's Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. You should move on. Now, hey, man, (laughs) what are you doing? I just had to see. Awesome. Why don't you come down from there? I'd love to come to your house for lunch. I bet Zacchaeus fell out that tree. Right then, I bet he just, oh, oh man, no, it's okay. Wow, did you see that? He fell out the tree. Didn't see that coming. Maybe he caught him, I don't know. I want to watch it. They didn't put that in there, so maybe it didn't happen. But I know he was shocked. Or there was a lady once who just so desperately needed to be touched. And to touch. I didn't say it was easy. I did say it was simple. She knew what she needed to do. She needed to touch him. Now there was a lot between her and him. And she had to press through. But when she touched him. He knew it. And she was changed forever. Proverbs eight seventeen says again what we also find in in Hebrews. Proverbs eight seventeen says those who seek me diligently will find me. And then secondly, I'll say this that followers 
four followers, as it were. Um, Jesus isn't one of many. He's the one and only. I said for followers, Jesus isn't one of many. He's the one and only. That, um, that really is a statement to say this, that followers are, there's faithfulness in the life of a follower. That for a follower, it isn't, let me just switch jerseys. It's not, let me just change hats. Let me switch allegiances. But for a follower, it would, it would be a bit like this, that um, for, a, for a follower, for someone who, who really is faithful to someone, let's, let's use this as a metaphor. Let's say, for instance, with me, with Karen, if I had a picture of Karen in my wallet, which, which I, I don't, but I have many pictures of Karen on my phone. Because my phone took the place in my wallet. And my pictures in my wallet mostly got ruined. But if I had a picture of Karen in my wallet, I'm sure that she thought that that was, aww, right on the front. I put her picture right in the front. But if behind that picture, there were pictures of four or five other girls that I used to date, I'm going to guess. This is just an assumption that I'm going to make. I have not asked her. But I'm going to guess that that would not be well received. (laughs) Just an opinion. You can check it with her later if you want. I wouldn't suggest it. Jesus is not, for the follower, one of many. He's not one way we meet a need. He's not one way we fill the hole. He's not one thing that stands in the gap. He's the only. He's the one and only. It made the top ten. He said, thou shalt have no other God. For the Godfather. I mean, there's some ways maybe to try to answer this question for our hearts. Where do you run? To who do you run? Now, listen, this is true and we know it's so. We need each other. We are family. God has provided for us each other that we could minister Him to each other. That's what... Uh, counsel and conversation and friendship and relationship and family are about. We are not meant to be holy hermits or hermitesses. We are meant to be family and we follow together. But God is our only God. Or at least He's meant to be. I asked this question back in June too. What would it be like if God filled the God gap? In every human heart. What would that be like? What if, what if when we found that pearl, we did sell everything else we had? Didn't keep anything. Ooh, I better keep a little something, something though on the side. You know, just over here. Seek ye first and all the rest. What God knows you need to have, you'll have it. There's a song that Brandon Heath sings that has just been really important to me the last several months. And in this song, he just says, Your love, your love, it's the only thing that matters. Your love is all I have to give. And in in the first verse of that song, he says this, I'm running out of dreams. There's There's a line in the lyric that says, And I'm running out of dreams. And I just so appreciate that lyric. He's not saying that I... Listen, if you if you live near to me, if we have conversations, you know that I dream, that I am a dreamer. But I hope and believe that I'm at this place where I no longer have wrong dreams. And if I do, Lord, help me see them so that I can repent of them. Because I just want to dream his dreams. As Rick would say, the only passion we should have is his passion. We don't have our own passions. We, we have and embrace his passion. That, I like that lyric. You know, I, I'm just saying to you, 20 years ago, I had all kinds of dreams and plans and things that me and God were going to accomplish together. And now what I care about is me and God and the accomplished together is that's his call. I believe this, that God will take care of the what and the how if I'll just decide to be his who. having a whole lot of dreams of my own. I don't, you know, I, it sure is liberating. I just get to follow. When 
even Jesus asked the disciples, will you leave me too? Remember what Peter said? Where would we go? And in fairness to the story, there was a moment when it appeared that they all ran away. In fact, pretty much they did. (laughs) But they didn't stay gone long. Let's give a little credit where credit is due. Outside of Judas, they all came back. And they followed him, right? They followed him all the way to, to death, even to the degree that Peter wouldn't allow himself to be hung right side up, right? I mean, the, Jesus said go in, in a conversation he had with someone who had a lot. He said to what the man that we would call the rich young ruler, he said, you, you want to know how to gain eternal life? He told him about the commandments. I've done that. I've done all that. What had he not done, church? He said, well, then go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. What? Come follow me. St. Francis Xavier, we quote him a lot in Kyle. He said this, he said, give up your small ambition and come with me to save the world. You say, Ron, there you go. You're just such a missionary. You're trying to get us all to move over the ocean. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to move. I don't care where you go. Go across the hall. Go across the street. Just go with God. All the ambitions we have outside of Him. He's the one and only. He's not first prize. He's the only prize. And lastly, for the faithful God follower, faith is a way of life. Ooh, you can't follow God. Steve Flieger and not step in faith. I might have made it sound a little easier than it is. Just a little. Not not a lot. Like I said, it's simple. I didn't say it was easy. I mean, it takes some, oh, it takes some faith to put that foot out there sometimes. Are you sure? Then the enemy will come and say, you're not following God. You think you are, but you're not. And so you've got to battle that. A little deception, that's not God for you. Paralyzed in fear. Oh, what if I mess up? What if I blow it? God's big enough for that. He loves reachers and risk takers. And people who will put their foot where their faith is. When they've consecrated their hearts and they're doing their best, Rose Kugel, to follow Jesus, they can load up and go to Zambia. You can do that. I'm going. I'm just going to go. Here I go. Steps of faith, though, that's for sure. Ooh. I mean, and I'm not going to suggest that you do this, but then as I was driving, as I said earlier, across sub-Saharan Texas, and literally when I came through uh, Tyler, Texas, it was 107 degrees, and I longed, I longed for Virginia. Spruce Run Road. <laughs> where I could roll my window down without evaporating. (laughs) And there was a guy that was hitchhiking. Well, I was, man, and I I flew into Louisiana, actually Mississippi, and rode right into Louisiana because that's where I was going to end my journey. So I kind of did this whirlwind tour, and I borrowed a vehicle from a really close friend. and But the extra vehicle they had was a... uh, GMC Yukon XL. So I did not save a lot of dough on gasoline, but I had lots of space. So it did seem inappropriate for me to pass a guy by, but I wouldn't suggest you pick up hitchhikers. But I had eight, seven extra spots. So I whipped over and he got in. He was an interesting guy. But I was just like, Lord, now again, I'm not proposing, but I just I just knew. Sometimes you just, I pass a lot of folks, but I just said, Lord, that's you, isn't it? I came over there. Man, it was a quick, I didn't have a lot of decision-making time because I was running about 77. Okay, 70. 
The speed limit on those roads is 70, man. Texas is crazy. So I, boom, I get over and, and I said, where are you going? He said, well, I'm trying to beat my wife back home. We live in, uh, where, where, where did we go? Longview. It wasn't where I was going. I just decided to take him anyway. I didn't have any worse, but I didn't have a time to have to be where I was going. And that was going to be a cool conversation. And just started this incredible conversation with this guy. He says he was doing six years flat in prison and he got saved. Because I started talking to him about Jesus within 45 seconds. And I gave him a minute. And I asked him this question. This was hilarious. But these conversations happen in faith, church. Okay, whoa. Huh. I said, what's your favorite thing about Jesus? Well, I mean, he was telling me he got saved. I thought we'd just get the conversation going, see where it went. He went, my favorite thing about Jesus. And this was a pretty rough dude. He was 47, told me his wife was ahead of him, and he wanted to try to beat her because they were both hitchhiking, but they always get in different cars. I'm not making this up. She was 65, and he was 47. So it was an interesting story already. I ain't knocking on that. I ain't here to put judgments on that. I'm just saying, and he's, buddy, I got saved, I was doing six flat, and I said, well, what do you do? And he said, I just run up and down this road, and I said, well, what do you do running up and down this road? And he said, well, I go out in these woods right here where people live that you would never know were there, and I tell them about Jesus. He said, when I got out of jail, I said, Lord, I'm just going to keep doing that thing I was doing before, only this time I'm going to do it sober and clean, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I said, well, what's your favorite thing about Jesus? And he went, whoa, my favorite thing about Jesus. That's a tough one. And then he sat there a second. He went, I like everything about him. (laughs) He said it just like that. It was beautiful. I love everything about him. I dropped that dude off. I said, can I, I got to Longview and I said, can I take you all the way to your house? He said, well, we ain't exactly got a house. And you got to walk through some places to get there from here. He said, we got a puppy. True story. Got a friend that's making sure nobody walks off with their stuff. We're going to stay around here for a few days, and then we'll hit the road again. Go hang out at another one of those camps and tell people about Jesus. I let that guy out, and I was going, okay, I'm trying to sort this out. Because I'm pretty sure. He sure seemed like your son, I'm just saying. There's so much going on in the world. Man and God, though, sometimes. Oh, my goodness. When is the proverb that says, trust in the Lord and live safely in the land? There's a place where it is a, there's a trust factor in taking steps of faith, right? And stepping out there and saying, okay, God, I'm going to take some risks for you because I want to follow you. And I don't think that God is hard to follow. That's not what I'm trying to say. I do believe that he's obvious. I think he's pretty easy to see and kind of hard to miss. But in our world, it's still certainly possible. But it, it takes some faith to follow. I share a story here sometimes, and I'll, I'm going to wrap up. And kind of, Isaac, let me get you to come to the stage, if you would. I love Isaac. I'm incredibly biased. I love that kid. That dude is a Jesus giant. Challenges my faith. And all of those things are very biased statements, and I'll readily admit that and not apologize for it. I don't get very much opportunity to affirm him in that way. But remember that time, dude, that I went over to WVUIT? They asked me to come and do stand-up comedy, and you refused to go because you didn't want to see Dad make a dork out of himself. Yeah. I went over there to do stand-up. They were giving away free pizza. And I, when the guy asked me, I was like, stand-up comedy? He said, I've heard you preach, man. It's <laughs> a true story. I'm not making this up. WVUIT, Montgomery, West Virginia. It's a campus of like 3,500 students in the middle of nowhere. And they had invited the entire football team. I did the first set, and they took a break. And then I was going to come back and do a second set. And in that second set, the entire football team, in fact, did come. And I'm telling you, nothing makes you sweat like trying to do stand-up, at least for me. Maybe doing these videos we've been working on. I've got some adjustments to make there, too. But I got to sharing and chatting, and I had found out in that little uh, interlude there that this football team had lost um, 27 games in a row. At that time, they had the longest losing streak 
in, uh, they were actually like an NAIA team, but they still had the longest losing streak in the nation. Well, I'm sharing away. I'm talking to them. I told them about the losing streak in my high school basketball team and just different things like that. I, I told them what I've told you before that, that when I played junior high, we didn't win any games either, but I was pretty good. Once I scored two-thirds of our team's points, I was in the seventh grade on a seventh through ninth grade team. I scored two-thirds of our team's points. We lost 42 to 3. But I got my bucket. I think it was free throws because they fouled the small kid, but they were laughing too. We were having a good time. I was working the gospel into that. You know, that was kind of the point. Somewhere in there, man, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me. He said, I want you to tell them they're going to win a game. I know what you're feeling right now. I felt it too. That's illegal or something. Like that breaks a spiritual rule or something. I mean, can you really prophesy over sports? That feels like cheating. I was struggling. I, but I'm telling you, I knew God was saying, hey, I'm over here. Come over here with me. Tell them this. And I did, man. I said, listen, I got to talking and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray for you guys. Not because sports matters, but because you matter. And I'm going to pray that even in that, that you win a game. Now, boy, some guys are getting water in their eyes. This is a big, deep issue to them. And I said, you know what? And you're going to win. I think they're trying to believe if I'm crazy or prophetic. And I said, I said, yeah, you're going, I'm going to pray and you're going to win a game. This year, you're going to win a game. Before the season's over. They had six games left. I said, you're going to win a game. And when you win, here's all I ask. That you give props to God. And you remember that God wanted you specifically, you, each of you specifically to know that he had not forgotten about a bunch of guys in Montgomery, West Virginia. Risky. What if that don't work? Oh, I'm telling you, I drove home sick. Everywhere I went, I was preaching at a different church every Sunday. Everywhere I went, I said, please pray. I mean, even if you believe I miss God, please pray. I need a miracle, y'all. True story. 33rd game would have been the 33rd game of their losing streak. 0-32 in the last 32 games on the 33rd game. Last game of the year. You don't have to believe me. You do not have to believe me. The opposing team had the football. The time is getting very near to running out within the last couple of minutes of the game. A tipped pass, an interception, ran back for a touchdown. WVUIT wins. True story. I got emails like that was before Facebook or text messaging even on my cell phone, but I got lit up on email. We won. We won. Look at the news article. I wish I had printed it because I have gone back and Googled. Nobody keeps up with WVUIT. You just have to believe me. It's true. And here's a little bit of irony just to toss in on that. They, they actually beat Liberty University. So I figured the Lord said they could take one for the team. I, I never told the Falwell family or Liberty that, so I don't want any credit for that loss. That's a true story. I didn't actually intend for the response to come out of a hilarious laugh. That wasn't what I planned. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's our destiny, church. To be God followers. And God followers step in faith. Is it you, Lord? Peter said from the boat. Because if it is, that's really all I need to know. If it's you, Lord, bid me come. You know that's going to happen in your life this afternoon and tomorrow. may not always be that much of a stretch, but there will be opportunities. This week, who's listening to me? This week, there will be opportunities to follow God. That random hug that's not so random that intentional conversation or connection or the way that you speak life and liberty, the way that you live. Because we were meant and made 
Father. Thank you for today, Jesus. I pray today, God, that we would follow you to freedom, that we would follow you to uh, liberation, even in our own hearts from, from hurt, right, that we would follow you to wholeness. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that we would follow you, God, to effectiveness. Ooh. Yeah, Lord, I speak that. Lord, that we would follow you to effectiveness and fruitfulness. That we would follow you in our destinies as children of God, as fellow citizens with the saints. I pray this, God. I declare this, Jesus. That we will find the grace that is so there for us to find to follow you. It's not a statement of our own determination or ability, but it is a statement of our belief and your ability to lead. Lord, I declare this, that our inability to follow is not nearly as significant as your ability to lead. So, Lord, that's where we put our hope, that's where we put our faith, that's where we put our trust. Not in us, but rather in you. Let it be so and true. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Appreciate you this morning. Glad that you were here. Uh, I will say this, that I'm going to hang around for a few minutes because of the uniqueness of that ending. Uh, but if, if there are some folks who would want prayer, maybe if you would even say, I've really been struggling to find and follow Him. I've been trying to seek God and, and have struggled in that. I know it's simple, but for me it certainly hasn't been easy. I'm going to ask you as I dismiss, and I know this is a bit unusual, but as I dismiss, as I let us go, if you need to come this way, we'll be here to pray with you. Lee will hang around up here with me, maybe have a few other folks that will just keep their eyes open, and if you need to come and pray about any of that in that way, then please do that. And otherwise, I hope you have a great week, and I hope you live it as a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you.